Because I feel that like climbing has so much to offer. Like the old Blizzards going out there when you're 80 or you can piddle out in your late 20s and that's it. I'd rather be the old Blizzard. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Today, we are rewinding back to an episode that first aired in 2018. And we chose this episode to air today because on February 14th, 2008, Beth Rodden gave to the climbing world a very special Valentine. She delivered it in a place that literally shaped the history of granite crack climbing. Her route meltdown at 514C was and is one of the hardest pitches in Yosemite and is a contender for hardest crack climb anywhere. In a place whose history had been told largely, in a place whose history had been told largely through the lens of white men, this ascent along with Lynn Hill's free ascent of the nose, helped to solidify the role that women have played in the development of hard climbing in Yosemite and in the world. Since we recorded, Beth has become one of the leading voices in support of body positivity and promoting a healthier culture of body image and climbing. She's a voice that makes sure our identity as climbers isn't tied directly to how we look and how hard we climb. Her vulnerability inspires me more than any climbing achievement could, and her resume of incredible achievements is not short. So now, 15 years later, almost to the date that she completed one of the hardest crack climbs on the planet, we're going to rewind to this conversation about parenting, climbing, and identity with one of the people I most admire in the climbing community, Beth Rodden. Let's get into it. How long has it been? It was a, he wasn't a good sleeper though in the beginning. It took, I would say, over, I'd say when he was two and a half. Two, no, maybe two when he was two. Oh, that's when he started. Yeah, so, sleeping through the night. Maybe so two it's and a half. Just been about a year. A year yeah. of lovely sleep. <laughs> but I'm a terrible sleeper, anyways. So I am too. It's, not fun. No, sleeping sucks for me. I'm trying to get better at it. It's something yeah. I've I've gotten way better at in the last six years or so. Yeah. But still definitely a, a big like hole in my game. Yeah. I feel like I could do it way better. Yeah. I always wake up in the middle of the night and then I'm just sitting there awake. Yeah. So. Was that something since Kyrgyzstan? That has been since the divorce. Okay. Yep. I was pretty darn good sleeper actually like could sleep almost anywhere for a really long time Hmm. and then I don't know I'm sure it was a bunch of different things like the divorce but I don't know I've have a lot of friends and I wonder if there's like some sort of hormonal thing that happens like in your early 30s or whatever because I have other friends that did it we change so much as we get older yeah I tried to I tried to not believe that for a long time, <laughs> but now it's like if I sit for an hour, it's hard for me to get up and walk. Yeah. You know, so 
it's definitely starting to take hold. Yeah, which for I'm sure. not stoked about, but <laughs> it <whatever>. happens. <laughs> Just have to deal with it. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to talk to you is you've you've sort of reinvented yourself. <laughs> and and I love seeing that, especially in this outdoor space where, you know, when you were coming up as a young climber, um, I had a lot of friends who were in the same category as you. And there was a lot of talk about where do we go with this? Mm-hmm. Like, can climbing be a, a career? And if so, what does that look like when mm-hmm. you can't really, when you're not climbing as hard as you once were, mm-hmm. you know, what happens? And you've reinvented yourself and and something that I think is really endearing and valuable is that you've you've been very open mm-hmm. and and vulnerable in a way that that a lot of the top climbers never are. Mm-hmm. And while I think the media or uh, you know, the outdoor industry in general has sort of put you into this place of being sort of the de facto expert on pregnancy and motherhood <laughs> now. Mm-hmm. On your blog, you don't come across as if you're trying to be an expert. You come across more of, I'm trying to learn with you guys. Do you guys have any tips for me? Mm-hmm. You know, here's what I do. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool place to be. And I want to learn the things that you've learned. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter's 20, so I'm not dealing with it currently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should be interviewing you actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, I have several moms who are clients of mine and, and a couple of pregnant women who are clients and mm-hmm. training through their pregnancies. And so I spent a lot of time learning about it and, and I really want to know tips for after the pregnancy. Like, what's it like? How does your climbing change? How does your life change? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so let's dig into that. What, how, first off, when you were, after you had Theo, mm-hmm. which was three years ago, mm-hmm. I know you had a really rough postpartum. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really rough physical postpartum. Um, the birth was great and amazing. I feel really fortunate about that. It went, it went fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and most of my friends that I had kind of looked up to were people that I had interviewed and asked questions about. They kind of bounced back pretty quick. Um, right. I have one friend, Lynn, she's a superhuman, and she went for, I think she went for a run at week two or right. something like that. Right. And then she went on this, you know, five week trip to font with her you know, little mm-hmm. baby after that. And I could What's like his name? Conrad. Conrad, okay. Yeah. He's about a year older than Theo. He's a rad little little kid. Um but I could hardly walk from like the bed to the bathroom, honestly. Um I had a cystocele, which is like a slight prolapse of the bladder. So it literally felt like every like my insides were just gonna fall out. Oh man. And um And it was just, I mean, you're used to, as an athlete, like I'm used to climbing injuries, you know, but pushing through and things like that. Yeah, totally. But all of a sudden to have something like that, it was like totally disconcerting. I'm just like, my insides are going to fall out. And, and this is not a knock on my doctor or my medical professionals, but Western medicine, I mean, you have a baby and they're like, 
see you in six weeks. Right. You know, and I was just like, there's so much going on. Luckily, our friend is a home birth midwife. And so we had her come and do the postpartum care. And she was like, you need to lay in bed for like, don't, you know, lay down for like six weeks or I mean, two weeks, you know, don't get out of bed really, you know, just really be gentle to your body. She was like the first person who ever told me and really got through my head to nurture my body. That's tough for an athlete yeah. as well, because we're used to making ourselves better by punishing our bodies. Totally. You know? I mean, I'd been, I'd looked at my body the whole time until postpartum or maybe partway through pregnancy as this thing I could use and abuse. Like right. it was this like vehicle <clears throat> to, for like my success or to sort through emotions or something like that, you know, but it was never, wait, I should maybe try and take care of this somehow. And there, <laughs> right. it serves another purpose. Yeah. So yeah, so my physical postpartum was rough. Like I would say it took me a few months before I could like wear Theo on in a carrier and mm. like walk him around the block yeah. to have like that heel. And then I had really, Theo and I struggled really a lot with, um, with breastfeeding. Um, he had this thing called tongue tie, which makes it so he couldn't latch very well. And so I had all these mastitis infections where like I had 103 fever and I had to go on antibiotics and stuff. Anyways, so like the first three months, like I really felt was like that fourth trimester that at least my our midwife talked about. Sure. You know, it was just like this healing process or yeah. whatnot. So when were you able to get back outside and do things? Not even climbing. When were you able to get out and yeah. hike around or whatever? Randy went back to work um, maybe after six or eight weeks, I'd say. And so that's when I kind of like took over. Until then, he was like, carrying Theo all around and stuff. Right. Um, so when Theo was like three months is when I started like walking around the block and and doing that sort of thing and being able to make dinner for us. And um, and then at four months, we went on this family trip with my parents and my brother and his family to Hawaii with all the kids. And that actually really helped like swimming in the warm water was yeah. so good for my body. Yeah. And then at, um, at, right after that, like we went to Squamish and I started to climb a little bit. Um, but climbing took a lot longer because I have really loose joints in general. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that like, even before I got pregnant, I struggled with injuries with like my ligaments. And then when you get pregnant and are nursing, your joints get even looser. Right. And so I was just really mindful mm -hmm. to be careful of that. Yeah. And I think that's an important word. Yeah. You have to be really mindful of it. It's not, not everyone's going to have the same response to it as you totally, did but as yeah. long as in any situation as long as you're mindful of what's going on and paying really close attention i think that's the number one thing you can do absolutely yeah because every like you said everybody's to totally different my friend lynn was 100 percent fine like climbing right out of the get-go right. you know and running right out of the get-go and she just has that body type yeah. and then i think i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum you know i'm like had many physical things go wrong or yeah. whatnot. And had you climbed up right up until the birth? I climbed until about six or seven months okay. pregnant, and but pretty easy. Um, I'd say because I felt my joints getting looser and you know right. you're gaining weight, I felt then that put more strain on it. Yep. So I would go out and we would just climb really easy routes, long routes in Yosemite. Sure. Um, and that felt awesome to me. Yeah, and um, it's good to be around moving. You totally. Know, yeah. I have a couple of women, Molly and Abby, who are both pregnant cool. and both training through their pregnancy, doing quite a bit of strength training, really controlled strength training and 
climbing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And Molly's writing a blog about her, Aww. you know, training through her pregnancy. Awesome. And, um, it's just, it's inspiring to me to see them willing to go, but it's also scary for me because I'm like, I don't know how much to hold you back because I'm not right there with you every single day. So totally. I have to trust you to be mindful and not go too hard. Yeah. You know, and just understand your own body. And I think that's an, a really important part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I, it was a big learning lesson for me because I had never kind of, I'd never given up <clears throat> my body to something else before. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it, and especially for athletes who are so in tune with their body, mm-hmm. you know, every little thing and you know, when something's wrong or, you know, when you can start to push or whatnot. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like I'm growing this human and my body's <laughs> changing and how am I doing this and what should I be doing? So, Yeah. Did it ever, and I'm just curious about this, it's it's not anything I've gotten from your writing or interviews or anything else, but was there ever a time where it was almost, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, not angry at being pregnant, but mm-hmm. because you're going through these changes where it's not, you're not just responsible for you anymore. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time where you're like, frustrated by it Mm, for me it was the opposite actually okay um i was always frustrated by injuries you know so Mm. mad at myself and my body i'm like why am i getting injured right but for me being pregnant it was it was actually kind of a relief right does that make sense it was yeah for sure it was like oh wait i do have a reason now that i don't have to be out there climbing Trying hard super and, hard yep, yeah and pushing all the time yeah and so it was kind of it was a relief and and that's not to like gloss over the fact that you're like god my joints hurt and i can't sleep on my stomach and you know and why do my hips hurt so bad and you know obviously there's all that sort of thing that you're kind of this completely uncomfortable and a nuisance and not to be glossed over but i was never I, I don't think I ever woke up when I was pregnant and said, I really wish I could like go climb El Cap in a day right now. Right. It was more like, oh, I get to go hang out at the boulders and kind of just relax. Yeah. A lot of my friends who are in the same, you know, age group as you came up around the same time, had this around the same age as you're talking about, had this like this moment where they were oh, now I remember why I love climbing again. Totally. And, yeah. you know, I've been pushing so hard and putting so much emphasis on my performance mm-hmm. um, and being Beth Rodden yeah. or whoever it is for so long that I'd forgotten why I love this thing. Totally. And, and finding it again. Was that something that happened for you through the pregnancy? Uh, I'd say through injuries and pregnancy, 100%. Yeah. I had, you know, after... Like right around the same time as the divorce, my body just started breaking down. I'm, you know, I'm sure it's all connected, like the emotional anguish and everything. And I was like so desperate to climb and achieve again that my body was just like, we've, it's enough, you know. And so during that time, it was several years. Um, you know, I went from like climbing five fourteen down to climbing like five six or whatever. And right. and I was kind of like, well, should I even climb anymore? And and just slowly going out and climbing all these things and with people that I'd never climbed with before, I was like, oh, wait, this is why I love climbing. And so that's yeah. where I feel like I kind of owned climbing again, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's I, cool. 
Yeah. And so then, but that finding that ownership again gave me the courage, I think, to be able to say, okay, let's try and have a family. Because being in that previous mindset of always pushing harder. Right. Then I was just like, how are we going to do this with a, a family's kid? just an obstacle. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to climb that. You know, so it was just <clears> this <throat> thing that I couldn't even wrap my head around where all of a sudden after the injuries, I was like, well, I'm climbing five, six and I'm still loving it. So even if I only climb one day a week with a kid, I'm going to still love it. And so that kind of gave me the courage to take that next step, which yeah. I feel like is really amazing. Cool. So yeah. when Theo was was first, you were first getting out with Theo and you, Squamish was your first climbing trip, you said? Yep. How, how was that first trip having, you know, first trip with the baby? Um, it was, it was rough. I'd say there, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why it was rough. We decided to drive up there, <laughs> which is like 20 something hours, you know? Yeah. And I was like, he'll just sleep the whole That's time. That's a long trip for a baby. Yeah. It was like, it was, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we ruined him for the car for the rest of his life from there. <laughs> um, and then also like we have these amazing friends up there and they let us stay at their house, but I was still like struggling with breastfeeding. So I'm like, trying right. to walk from our bedroom without my shirt on to put on medicine. And, you know, it was just like, right. I don't know. I was just a mess, you know, like walking around and like you're leaking and milk. And so yeah, it's just yeah. like all this stuff. Um, so it was hard, <laughs> but I would say like, and then we spent the entire, we spent like four months in Yosemite after that. And I think, I feel like we kind of got into our groove and then we went to font, you know, that next spring when mm -hmm. he was like nine months old. And, um, and it really helped to have friends that were doing the same thing, other families, you know, because you can kind of like bumble your way through it and learn from it, what they're doing. And yep. and then you help each other. All of a sudden, I feel like more so than entering a climbing community, which I felt was super inclusive when I first came and it was like this tribe that you enter, was the parenthood tribe, I feel like was even more welcoming because you can just like lay it out there. Yeah, you know, and I was saying to you earlier, I, I was looking through your blog today and I was really surprised by how many men comment yeah. and respond to your questions and ask you questions. And I mean, it makes me proud a little bit of, of men because totally. that, I don't think that's the space where a lot of men would be willing to say they spend their time, you yeah. know, but, but I think it's an important thing and... And I thought it was great that you have all those men and women commenting and asking questions and communicating with you. Yeah. No, it's been, I mean, I just had somebody write last week is like, I'm a single dad and, you know, I'm doing this. I'm like, man, that's amazing. You know, single parents, I feel like are on the next level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I think it's awesome. I mean, I feel like everybody's in it, you know, and might as well share and help everybody and. You're all just trying to get through the day, so. Yeah. So other than choosing to drive to Squamish, were there other like big mistakes, things you wouldn't do again on those first few trips? Yeah, so I wouldn't drive like 20 hours. Um, and if you can't, but then this is me having like rough nursing issues. Like right. I think your own space to kind of just like bumble around or mm -hmm. maybe with somebody who's like at the same stage or who you're super comfortable with. Right, a close, close friend. Totally, yeah. exactly, that I can like walk around without my shirt on because of that. Um, mistakes, that is a good question. 
trying to think of like early. out at the boulders or out at the crag. Are there? Did were you ever out there and thought, "Geez, I wish we had this." Yeah, I mean, we definitely forgot diapers a couple times. <laughs> okay. Um, but again, we were lucky enough that like friends were around. Right. Uh, they were, you know, they were like not the right size, but in a pinch. Yeah. Um, it's better than no diaper. Exactly. Um, mm. God, we just, you know, I think we did a lot of trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. And so for different trips, like, and I think every kid, is, or I know every kid is so different. Yeah. And instance, I think it's okay to do trial and error. Totally. We want to get it exactly right yeah. as parents. But you're not going to. But you're not going <laughs> to. Yeah. You're going to screw it up just like every parent before you. Yeah. And so trial and error, I think, is fine. Yeah. No, I think it's necessary. Yeah, we just learned what worked for us, I guess. And so, like, Theo loved the ergo, right? Like, the thing that, and he would... That's the carrier? It's the carrier. I mean, he napped, like, months of his life, either on me or Randy. Or, like, maybe on my parents a couple times. But, like, that's what we did. So, we actually never had to bring a stroller anywhere we went. But then other friends of ours, like, that was their key, right? was, like, napping in the stroller. Right. And so, and we've had a lot of friends. And when you go to Europe, like that's how every, you walk in font and you walk around a boulder and there's just like a bob or a pram or whatever. And that's how all the kids sleep. Right. And they just bring them out and they bring, put them in these things and they sleep everywhere. Hmm, so I cool. think that's like a key thing for some people is yeah. you bring the bob and that's your like napping thing. Yeah. I've seen people at the red have like the little pop-up playpen type totally. things. Yeah. Did you ever have anything like that? You yeah, you know, that? Um, that worked really well. Like Becca, th- both of her kids napped in the tent really well. Like they have those kid mm-hmm. cut, kid co tents. Yep. Theo, like, he took a couple naps in there, but really like the ergo was it or on a crash pad. Gotcha. Um, like we could get him to sleep in the ergo and then like transfer him down on the crash pad and go climbing. So, hmm. yeah, I think just like find your thing. So trial and error on that and then kind of stick to it. Yeah. yeah. I know I'm totally asking you to think back here and on the spot too, but yeah, were there things that you had to have in your bag? You had diapers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you might not think of? God, well, for me, it was like all this, I mean, I hate to keep mentioning this, but if there's any women out there that struggle with breastfeeding, for me, it was like all care around nursing stuff. Because mm-hmm. I'd say until like, I mean, I think I had my last mastitis infection around like eight months or something like that. So for a while, like that was an issue for me. I always brought that. Um, and then I think it's great that you were getting out. Yeah. And and still doing it, you know, yeah. not letting it keep you inside or yeah. hiding or whatever it might be. Um, so I think it's important. Yeah. You know, make sure you're bringing that stuff with you. Bring the things that are going to help you care for yourself yep. as well. Yeah, totally. Um. I mean, I always had enough food because it just seems like you never know. Um, Changes the clothes for sure, especially like outside because if you want to be outside all day and I don't know, they crawl through a puddle or something like that. When my daughter was little and we'd go to the red, it's it's basically a sand pit at most (laughs) crags. So she would be an absolute filthy mess covered in sand. Yeah. You know, like Red River sand dust. Yeah. From head to toe. Totally. And she loved it. Yeah. But I'm like, you're not getting in my car like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys do at the red with the ticks? 
Because we had tip, tick epics at Font last year. You I mean, know, the kids are crawling in it, you know? Yeah. You know, at the crags, it's not a big problem usually because, oh, okay. because there's not a lot of foliage right at the crag. Uh, okay. But there were several times, one in particular, Caitlin and I were walking through the woods just out walking around. Yeah. And we must have walked through a tick nest or something. Yeah. Because the next day, I remember sitting at the crag with her and picking ticks off of each other for like an hour. Oh, God. We, yeah. had, we each had hundreds of tiny little ticks all over us. Yeah. So it was just a matter of, for us, it was just check a yeah. lot. Yeah. You know, spend a lot of time checking. And if I find one on me or someone nearby finds one on them, then I'm right to her looking around. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, but other than that, we... We didn't really encounter them a ton. Okay. Because at the crag, they're really not an issue. That's good to know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Last year in Font, like, I think everywhere's just getting warmer or yeah. you know, changing, yep. obviously. And so Font was so warm last year. And Theo had one embedded. And then poor Ingrid, she was, you know, just like a year old. And she had these mm. teeny tiny five of them that we had to yeah. get out. And you're just like pinning that's when having a community comes in right because yep. you need like three adults to like pin down this one-year-old and <laughs> yeah. take out the ticks but ugh. yeah so okay. do you have like a a normal community of other parents that you travel with climb with or do you sort of gravitate towards the people at the crag who have their I'd, own setup we're really fortunate and i guess this happens in a lot of communities climbing and not but our friends kind of all had kids around the same time, you know, right. in, in California. And so the people that we climb with the most, they'd, you know, they're either a few months younger than Theo or a couple years older and there's a bunch of kids and they all play. And then when we travel, um, it seems like one or two of those families might come and then we'll meet up with some of our friends from around the country that also have kids. But, and for sure in Font, Font's like, the best place we found so far with for right. for families or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I think the whole world knows it because it's all... That's where all the kids are now. Yeah, from... <laughs> well, just from everywhere you go and there's like Swedish families <clears throat> and, you know, German families. And yeah. it's, it's kind of cool, actually. It's like a... Yeah, I haven't been. I want to go. It's amazing. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. When you're traveling internationally, are there cruxes with bringing Theo along, especially when he was really young, you know, those first trips? Yeah, I mean, I had a ton of anxieties around that because I think I'm just kind of an anxious person. So I was like, he hasn't had his MMR and he's going to get measles and, you know, so that sort of thing when he was really young. Um, And then, like, once he got all his vaccinations, it came a little easier. But, I mean, we went to South Africa last year and we're going again this year and, I think it's been a good learning lesson for me in letting go, actually, mm-hmm. and just being like, well, this is what we're doing and we're going to expose them to the world. And it's a great learning lesson for for everybody. Um, but cruxes, I mean, just as you know, <laughs> just going anywhere with a kid takes, you know, five times as long. You're like, yeah. okay, you text your friend, you're like, okay, Lots we're going to leave. Yeah, exactly. And you text somebody and you're like, I'm going to leave in 20 minutes and then an hour and a half later, you're like, and we're still not out the door, but yeah. you don't know what you're doing, but, but you're doing something. It doesn't get any faster when they're 16. <laughs> right. It, it's just <laughs> as slow. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. yeah so, mine's, mine's 20 now and she loves the stand in the mirror and put on makeup. 
So that's what it takes. It takes even longer now. Yeah. So luckily she can drive. So I just be like, well, you can just meet me there. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm going to go get some pitches in before you get there. Yeah. 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 Cruxes. I mean, I think everything just takes, just be like 100% more patient with yourself because it's going to be, it's going to take a lot longer for sure. Do you always have that third person around or an extra group around or how often is it just you and Randy and Theo? Mm, Let's see. For the second half, we did three months abroad last year. And for the second half of our trip, it was just the three of us, which was nice. I mean, we'd meet up with people randomly, obviously, because there's other people at the climbing area. Sure, yeah. But um, yeah, and this year I feel like it's going to be kind of similar in that we're going to have we know a bunch of people going for the first half of our trip to Font, but then I'm sure we'll just meet random people. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just us. Um, and then Randy has this nice thing worked out with his work where he does like three months remote and then three months in the city and then three months remote. So Cool. That's um, a cool setup. So when he's working in the city during the week in Yosemite and stuff, it's just me and Theo. Um, and then he started preschool this year there, so... That's been a big change. Yeah. 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 Are you getting out while he's in preschool? Yeah, I'm I'm alternating days right now and I so he's in half day preschool or whatnot. And mm-hmm. um so I climb one day and then I'm working on writing a book the other days. So it's like cool. climb right, climb right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. When you're when you are on these trips, what sort of schedule do you keep for climbing? Is it is it dictated a little by Theo? Like is he is he able to do like a two-on-one-off kind of a thing or does he get fatigued after a certain number of days going back out to the boulders and you'd rather do something else? He's pretty good actually. And until Randy and I have always just alternated days. So it'll be like Randy's day to climb and I'll hang with Theo or it'll be my day to climb and he'll hang with Theo. And when there's other kids around, then that's the best because then maybe both of us could climb. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, And I could see if there are other kids around, that's an ideal setup because Theo's going to love totally being out there with the other kids anyway. What kid doesn't want to just go get dirty with other kids all day long? Yeah. And like run around with sticks in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. So like last year in Font that happened, there was probably like eight kids under six or whatever. And it was the first time Randy and I were like, wow, we can actually go climbing together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And you can go out, if it's if you're alternating days, you're probably going out almost every day. Oh, we're going out every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But cool. I don't know, I like some of our friends have kids that are really good self-entertainers and can climb like together and that. And like I was a terrible self-entertainer as a child and mm-hmm. he has kind of adopted that. So, I mean, I yeah. think it just depends on your on your kid, you know. Sure. And so for us, it's just, that's what we found has worked for our family. Yeah. And I think knowing your kid's personality is really important. Like you just said, it's going to depend on whether your kid's good at being self-entertained. My daughter was for the most part, but I definitely saw things blossom when there were other kids around. Totally. You know, building little forts out of sticks or whatever it was. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's important, you know, pay attention to what, what they enjoy doing and then sort of build your schedule around that, making that work out. Were there a lot of kids um, when your daughter was young out at the crag? Like it seems like I've seen it grow more, but obviously climbing's growing more. So I don't know if it's, you know, the one or the other, or I'm just curious how that. Yeah, I think that's the thing is climbing's growing more. Mm -hmm. When she, 20 years ago, you know, I guess it was about 
18 years ago, 17 years ago, I first started taking her to the crag Mm -hmm. and probably 14 years ago when she first climbed, Mm -hmm. um, there weren't that many kids, Mm -hmm. at least in the red. Right. Okay. Um, they just weren't that common. Mm -hmm. So, so there weren't a lot of opportunities to just hang out with other kids. And I wasn't lucky enough to have that. Mm -hmm. All of my friends are having kids at the same time. So we've got a bunch of climbers with kids, Mm -hmm. you know, it would have been great if we did, but just wasn't the case. So, so we were always kind of a solo crew. Mm -hmm. Um, It would usually be uh, myself and a partner, plus Caitlin. Mm -hmm. And luckily she loved climbing and was into it early on. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't ever push her to be a climber. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about that with Theo? Is it something that you're going to gently nudge him into or wait to see what he comes up with? No, yeah, I definitely don't want to. I kind of want to let, we've just let him dictate when he wants to climb, if he ever wants to climb. Right. I think I'm probably a bit scarred from growing up in the kid comp scene and seeing sure. so many kids just get pounded and pushed by their parents. And I got yep. so turned off by that. Yeah. And I had the opposite experience with my parents and, you know, like climbing was mine right. and I was the one pushing and I just saw it just ruin climbing for so many kids. And I don't want to do that to Theo, you know? Yeah. So uh, if he wants to awesome, you know, that could be, I think it'd be even better if he did it with his friends. Cause then it w- he could own it in a different way. Right. Sure. Rather than, yep. That's what I do with my mom and dad. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen, um, you know, quite a few generations pick it up. Yeah, from their parents doing it, mm-hmm. um, just pick it up and then take it off and make it their own thing. Totally. Um, so, certainly a, a feasible idea, and frankly, I think it's more feasible. I think it's more likely if you're not pushing them into it. Totally. You yeah. Know, Chris Linder was a good friend of mine, and I know he was. He, he was sometimes pushed into climbing mm-hmm. and and kept trying to make comebacks, but it never really stuck for him, yeah. at least in the public way. He may still be climbing for all I know, which, yeah. which would be great. And I hope he is. I hope he found where he really loved it and was able to, to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But we've seen it with several people. I, I'm not oh, trying yeah. to single out um, Chris or Tom for that matter. Yeah. Um, but... But we've seen it several times, like you said. Oh, yeah. No, I've see, yeah, seen it a lot. I'm curious. So you were able to sport climb, though, with just a partner yeah. because Caitlin was so chill and good she at it. She was self-entertained. That's yeah. so awesome. She was good okay. at it. And, she, and it was at a time already where she understood enough about climbing. Mm-hmm. I never really went climbing with her when she was really little. Mm-hmm. So I have no experience there. Mm-hmm. You know, I would only go climbing on the weekends when I didn't have her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she already understood climbing enough to cheer me on a little bit so and cool. want to watch while I climbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those were huge moments, you know, being able to hear her voice cheering me on mm-hmm. was big. Um, but it worked out fine. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, That's cool. and and especially in a place like the red, where you get, you know, destroyed, pumped, and it takes you know you're taking forty five minutes or an hour in between routes. So mm-hmm. even if there are two of you, it's not like you're trading belays back and forth and back and forth. Right. It's more like you both climb and then 
there's a 45 minute period yeah. where no one's climbing. Right. So. You hang out. So you get a lot of time to hang out and build forts and right. play in the dirt. Cool. That's awesome. Know. That's awesome. So what have you found between sport climbing and bouldering? I know, I know you said on your blog that bouldering is definitely the easier thing. For us right now. Yeah. We went, um, we went to Seyus last year for a couple of weeks, but we, um, our friend Emily signed up for the family family mm. scene for two weeks. So we did alternating days. How was the hike up there? Uh, Randy was a champion. <laughs> he carried Theo He up. carried Theo. I mean, nice. Theo would walk like whatever for 10 minutes some yep. days, but for the most part, we just kind of like hammered it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he was two at the time. Um, I can't imagine there's much of a kid scene at Seuss. No, but the Airbnb that we rented was rad because they had like a little girl just a little bit older than Theo and they had like a trampoline and they had other things. So there was a few days where Theo was like, I just want to play with Louisiana. And we were like, great, that's fine. Well, like one of us will hang out here with you. And so, yeah, but no, there's definitely not. I've, I've seen some people not, I don't know them well that have gone, but maybe with their kids a little bit older. Although, no, that's not true because Becca and Tommy, they took Fitz when Fitz was like a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we've mainly bouldered. I have to say I do miss miss rope climbing though. Um, but I think we're getting closer to the place when Theo can be a little bit more self-entertained and, you know. Yeah, I think okay. for me it was definitely around – like around five or six is when it really got good. Yeah, that sport makes climbing. Sense. Yeah, um, there was definitely a period when she was really young when I had stopped climbing altogether to focus on music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there was that period that I completely missed out on learning how to climb with a a toddler. Right. You know? Yeah, that would have been difficult. Yeah. Um, so. And yeah, that's what we found. Like that's why I feel like we we're just kind of getting there because before you know you're when you're sport climbing, you're actually tethered in. Right. Like even the Blair. So if they like crater or something happens, right. you can't just be like, you're off belay. I'm going, whereas, you know, bouldering, you can kind of run and yep. and do something. So yeah, um, that, that third person comes in mm-hmm. really important in sport climbing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah so, but I, I kind of just looked at this as like a phase where we'll boulder primarily for a bit. So camping versus hotel. Do you guys ever camp with Theo? Is it mostly, I'm sure, you know, like you said, you're renting an Airbnb when you're taking these long international trips. Yeah. When you take shorter trips in the U.S., do you camp? Yeah. So we we usually, you know, go up to Tuolumne in the high country in the summer and Mm -hmm. we camp up there. Um, And Theo loves camping. Like he asked to go camping all yeah, the time. Yeah. And maybe it's because he's going with his best friend a lot of the time, but. Now I don't define know. camping for me because in today's climbing oh, yeah. climate, yeah. There, there are several levels of camping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we don't have a sprinter, um, but we have only done a tent a couple of times. We just have like a pickup truck. Okay. And so, you know, we put a bouldering pad in the back and then we've put this uh, piece of plywood across like the top of our feet, you know, type yep. of thing. And yep. then so Theo sleeps on the plywood. Oh, cool. And then we sleep on the... It's like a little miniature bunk bed. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So that's then, really cool. Yep. Yeah. So that's what we do. I'm for, sure he likes having his own little platform too. Yeah. It's awesome actually. And before, we, like in the very beginning, we didn't have like a little 
you know, piece of one by two or whatever. And he like a little rail. He yeah, just roll off. He tumble onto us in the middle <laughs> of the night. We're like, ah, sorry, buddy. Um, so then we put that in. Um, but yeah, we've done, we did like a trip to the Southwest, um, climbing <clears throat> in New Mexico and stuff for like three weeks doing that. And cool. That was, and we have a, a big dog too. So he like sleeps in the front of the cab, you know? Oh, gotcha. Um, do you have pictures of that set up anywhere I do. on your blog? Oh, you? in the blog. No, maybe I, I should, yeah, maybe I should put something up or, yeah. yeah. It's a good, I mean, it works out great. Um, yeah, if I not, was I'll get like, something from you and post it up when we put this up. Totally, yeah, I can just send it to you. Yeah, I don't know how it would work if you had a second kid. Maybe it would work okay until, like Theo co-slept with us until whatever, like nine months or 10 months or something. So right. I think when they're young and could co-sleep mm-hmm. and other people, I'm just a terrible sleeper as we discussed. So <laughs> I needed like space, but yeah. I know other people that co-sleep, you know, way longer. And so then it would work if you had a second, but I've never, I've like, I don't know if that would work for, mm-hmm. for people with two kids though. Yeah. I like the little platform. Yeah. It's, and that, I think that might work with a couple of kids. I mean, the platform would have to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. You'd like but, widen it. Yeah. 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 But that could be fun. And, you know, thinking back to when you said that, that you had a little platform, I thought back to when I was a kid and how cool that would seem yeah. to have my <laughs> own little platform in the, you know, in the space. Yeah, totally. Be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it works out <clears throat> great for, for our little unit, how we have it. I mean, obviously like it's not great if it's like dumping rain and like you're trying to cook in there whatever but for summertime camping it's fantastic has there been talk of we should get a camper sprinter something or you just Mm, this is fine this works for us for now i'm i'm kind of like one where would we get the money two i'm like would we really use it because how we have our life set up right now it's like we're in Yosemite in the fall where we have our little place. We're in Europe in the spring and then we're basing out of the bay in the summer and the winter. So it's kind of like maybe if our lives totally changed and Randy took like a remote job and we wanted to travel around the country, mm-hmm. then maybe we could we would do something different. Yeah. But for our needs for camping right now, this this seems good. Yeah. Can we switch gears a little bit? Totally. And I want to talk a little about your climbing and how it's how it's evolved to this point. Um, you know, I said I was reading your blog a little earlier and there was a post that I thought was really great that talked about finding a passion and how that passion has to be something you can grow inside of or you just get bored with it like you did with tennis or... Mm-hmm. And but climbing was something that because you switched from comps to outdoor climbing to big wall climbing that you could constantly grow and find new things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so climbing became your passion. And you mentioned that motherhood has become this new passion for you. Mm-hmm. And it and it is it does fit the requirements. You know, it's something you can grow. You can constantly learn. You can always get better. Mm-hmm. And you have to. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's replaced the passion for climbing or is the passion for climbing growing back? Has it always just been there? What's it like now? Um, that's a really good question. It's definitely not replaced it. Um, Cause there, I'd say, and I don't have two kids. 
but I wonder if it's kind of what people say that your heart just grows bigger when you have another kid, mm. right? It doesn't like you don't replace it. Yeah, you or, just make more space in there. You just make yeah. more space. I would <clears throat> say my like that that need. I don't have. I don't feel that need to have to go climbing if it's just not working one day anymore, right? Whereas I used to wake up and like, if it was supposed to be a climbing day or if it was supposed to be a day that I went on my project and I didn't do it, like that was the end of the world, right? right? Like yeah. I was failing and like the world ended that day. Whereas now if it's like you wake up and Theo's sick or whatever and you're just like, and you had climbing plans, you're like, well, I'm just, I got it. This is where I'm going to focus my energy today, mm-hmm. right? Is on that. And, and I feel that that focus and that, energy I don't feel upset by that you know that I don't go climbing whereas I definitely used to feel that you know I would feel jaded if I didn't get to go out and climb but now I'm kind of like but if I wake up and I'm supposed to go climbing and like Theo's in preschool and I get to them I'm so psyched you know like it's still there and I'm like so excited it sounds like it's become a more a healthier more mature passion oh yeah I think so you know where it might have for so many of us bordered on obsession, oh, t- you know, yeah. in an unhealthy way sometimes. Yeah. Um, to the detriment of other parts of your life. Uh, for sure. I think that's what it sounds like to me is it's become a more healthy, mature passion. Yeah. It was a really like, I mean, w- amazing in so many ways way to live, but kind of like this addictive way, like set in, set a goal, see how hard you can push yourself, see right. how big you could dream. Yeah. And then once that was done. I wish people could see your eyes right yeah. now because your <laughs> eyes get really big and so excited. Yeah. And that's how it feels. It almost feels like too much. Yeah. When you look back at it. Yeah. You just like set this huge thing. You're like, maybe I can do it. And then you do it and you're like, can I do something even bigger? You know? Yeah. And, but then that's just unsustainable. <clears throat> at least it was for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that just wasn't at some point in my life. You know, I, I just felt like I wanted something different and more, you know, it just, that couldn't satisfy everything anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think there will ever be another project in a, in a healthy way, like the optimist or meltdown or something that could become all consuming if you let it? Um, God, I don't know. I don't know if, I mean, I should ask you this, like maybe when Theo's older, I just don't feel Mm. like I can be the mom I want to be, but also have an all-consuming project at the same time Mm -hmm. because I just know how I used to be with projects and then I know how I want to be there for Theo and I don't see those two things, how I used to be with projects. Perhaps if I found a new way with projects, um, a better balance than I, I mean, I still have a list of things I want to do. Right. For sure. I mean, I don't yep. know if you ever. Do you have an actual physical list? No, I don't actually. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> I know a lot of my friends do. They have like, for every trip they go on, they have like a list. I'm like, how yeah. do you find the time to compile that? <laughs> like, yeah. I just have this list in my head. I'm like, oh, I'd be cool to do this. I'd be cool to do that. And, but, um, I mean, I tried for years after, meltdown but my body was just like mm-hmm. sh- shutting down yeah and so it's not like i don't have that desire to climb hard again I yeah, totally and it doesn't do. even have to be the difficulty of 
the optimist or meltdown yeah to be consuming totally yeah you know yeah i mm, right now in theo's this age i just can't see myself getting wrapped up in sure. a project if no, that makes I, th- sense. I think that's a good honest answer yeah um for me i climbed my hardest routes and hardest boulder problems after the age of 40 Mm-hmm. So it was when my daughter was grown and, um, you know, while 16 was a struggle for sure, yeah, I think that only served to heighten my dedication right, both to her and to climbing. Right. Um, That's so awesome to hear. Because it really, it really forced me to focus, mm-hmm. you know, on on different things at different times. Um, so I don't think, I don't think that's that your answer is saying that you can never have that again. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's, this is what I see now. And that's, that's as far as I'm willing to look ahead. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I think that's what we do. Yeah. You know, saying, Oh, and, 15 years, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know, none of us really know if that's what's actually going to happen. So totally saying that stuff is mostly bullshit. <laughs> you know, we're just trying to convince ourselves. Yeah, totally. So I think that's a good, honest answer. Yeah. I used to be such a planner. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do this, this, and this is going to be then, and that's going to be then. And I, I think that's one thing that motherhood, you just have to kind of let go of. You're just like, well, we'll see where we are. (laughs) It's interesting you say that that's something you let go of because there's a pretty big, pretty high level of planning has to happen as a mother. Yeah. It's just different planning. And it's not planning, it's not planning in the same way. It's not a selfish planning. Yeah. Um, So I think it's interesting that you, you made that distinction. Yeah. Because I would bet you do a lot of planning right now. Oh, yeah. We do a lot of planning. Yeah. Less uh, concrete life planning, more how we're going to get out the door today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's important. Does it, does, sometimes does it still feel like a junk show to you? Oh, my God. Every day. Yeah. 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 Not, uh, that's an exaggeration for sure. Not every day. But, yes, it still does. Because you still, I mean, you wake up and... You've, at least for me, I wake up and I feel like I'm doing something for three hours and we're still not out the door, you know? And right. I'm like, but it's not like I've just been sitting here. Yeah. Like, it's like you're like making breakfast and you're making lunches and you're getting people dressed and you're like getting me to the bathroom and you mm-hmm. have to go to the bathroom and you have to get dressed and all yeah. of a sudden, so. All the things your parents did to get you to the climbing gym on time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when it all comes back around, huh? Totally. Yeah. No, my parents have... Because I'm always calling, like, was I like this? And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, ah, you got it from me. <laughs> yeah, age old question. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So what's it look like from here for you? Are there plans? Are you just taking it one day at a time like you say you are? Um, I mean, there are, like, plan. I mean, we're going on a trip again this year. Right. Uh, overseas. For- are you making any climbing goals at all? Or just Not, waiting right now, just waiting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm like getting out and climbing. I guess it would. It happens each day. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling okay. Maybe I'll go try this. Or mm-hmm. oh, like 
you know, I don't, you know, I'll just kind of take it as, but I don't go, like, I don't have a list on our trip. I'm like, in font, I want to do X, Y, and Z. That's totally not how I have planned out that trip. Okay. I'm like, we're going to font, we're going to Switzerland, and we're going to South Africa. And that's like all I know. Um, and then I'm also writing, writing a memoir. And so that's like, something that I'm working on. Yeah, um, I'd I'd call that a pretty damn big project. Yeah, it's a big project, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might be harder than Meltdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like trying to slowly pick away at it. <laughs> yeah, I talked to Tommy on the podcast this summer and he said that writing, writing the book was the hardest thing he'd ever done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. And that he really had to focus in like he would on yeah. a big project to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I think for some people it probably comes easy and some people it probably doesn't. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I enjoy writing, but I find it to be a great challenge. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's, I think it's probably a good thing that you're not forcing yourself to be climbing goal oriented. You know, I think it's, I think it's necessary for some people. Mm -hmm. Um but having the history that you've had of first the comp scene, then pushing yourself during this time of, you know, trying to reconcile the fact that your identity was as a climber who did hard things. Yeah, totally. You know, um, and now refinding that, that love of it, it's probably a smart thing to just, let it come and be excited about what you're climbing on at the moment. And if you want to try something hard, try something hard. And if you don't, you don't, Yeah, you know, I think that's probably a smarter decision than, Oh, I really want to climb this V10 in font or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? That would kind of ruin my trip. I think, Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, but, I'm, I, it's been, it's been awesome actually that revelation or that, discovery the injuries through the injuries so many years ago mm -hmm. and, you know I've just seen so many of my peers and friends that they were in that same state and once they couldn't climb hard again then they stopped right you know that's it yeah but I've, I've talked I've talked quite a bit about doing a where are they now totally. podcast yeah talking to some of those young crushers who just disappeared yeah yeah because I feel that like climbing has so much to offer so many different people, like it can be whatever you want it to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can be like the old blozards going out there when you're 80, like right. dusting off your shoes and climbing yep. up the easy climbs, but, or you can piddle out in your late twenties and that's it. Yeah. So I'd rather be the old blizzard. <laughs> yeah, totally. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't, that you weren't one of those young crushers who disappeared. I think you're, you're bringing a, a good voice, uh, you know, and like I said, reinventing yourself, finding this space where your voice is really important. Mm. And I'm glad that that's happening, that climbing is maturing for you. Yeah, you know? no, me too. Thanks. I think that's cool. Um, where can people find you online? What's your... Um, well, I have a blog that I should be doing more on but I'm writing the book so that's kind of taking a lot of my time yeah. well there's a lot on there yeah so yeah so it's just know. bethrodden.com and then my Instagram account is mainly pictures of Theo <laughs> um, 
and yeah, there's I have a Facebook page and okay, yeah, cool. Well, I'll definitely link to that. Send people there, and I know you had a post on your blog with some of the products that you really loved. Oh yeah, um, I'll definitely link to that as well. I think a lot of people, it's it's nice to just buy the good product and not totally. have to do the trial and error by screwing it up over and over so yeah yeah and i'd say like find whatever works for you know you and your family for sure like that's i mean there's gonna be i think that's the cool thing about this community and probably every community of parents is like you get to see what people do and then you get to like take little tidbits from here and little tidbits from there and make it your own and i think that's kind of cool about parenting is it's there's like no one way to do it you know yeah you get to figure out what works so cool well that's that's perfect Beth I I really appreciate you taking time to sit down even though you were delayed getting here and I know you got a busy (laughs) schedule while you're here so no thank you thanks for thinking me it's an honor yeah for sure if you want more about what Beth is doing these days at the blog post for this episode you'll find links to several articles as well as a short film about Beth called Above the Fray from Graham Zimmerman and Outdoor Research You'll also find a full transcript of this conversation with Beth and a link to her Instagram where she's been outspoken and vulnerable and the type of role model so many young climbers desperately need. You can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com where we have thousands of articles, training plans, courses, and products that can help you become a better climber. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Power Company Climbing, but you will not find us on Twitter because we don't tweet, we scream like eagles.